Hello and welcome to the Christ Fellowship Weekly Podcast. At Christ Fellowship, our desire is to cultivate a passion for Jesus and His purposes on the earth. To connect with us in community, partner with us through giving, or visit on a Sunday morning, please visit ChristFellowship.org. We hope you enjoy this week's sermon from Lead Pastor Jamie Miller. Open your Bibles, if you would, to uh, Acts chapter 4, verses 12 and 13. And I'm going to... Just be eventually telling a story here a little bit about the overcoming church. And so let's just read these verses first. Uh, Salvation is found in no one else, for there's no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. That's Jesus, right? When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished. And they took note that these men had been with Jesus. So here we go. Uh, you know, this is the final message. I've really enjoyed kind of working through this series on the life-giving church. It's always good. I, I think usually about this time of year, we do something where we come back around to the book of Acts, kind of re-up on our who we are, the mission that God's called us to be a part of. And uh, so for the last seven, eight weeks, we've been on this. And this one, this last week, and it's again, everything's flowing out of this idea that like when we started the church, we said, why can't we see church life like we read about here in the Bible, like in, in the book of Acts? Why can't we do that? And that just all that the church that's marked by the life and joy and love and peace and grace and life of Jesus Christ. That's what we want to be about. So here we go. This last one is an overcoming church. And I felt like we just needed to do one message because we've talked about so many different things, but you need a message where you realize Yeah, stuff's going to come against us, and there's going to be some hard times. There's going to be times when it's not all just a a walk through the park. You guys know that are older, I'll often refer to, when I start thinking about it like this, I'll refer to Little House on the Prairie, and the start, you know, Laura's running down through the field, you know, and it's the wheat's blowing, and she's just carefree, but life's not always like that, is it? It's not always a carefree run through the field. And so there's just stuff that uh, that we need to understand as a church. I think we understand it on the personal level. Like, hey, life's hard. Nobody ever said being being a follower of Jesus is going to be going to be a carefree, trial-free existence. We get that, but we need to understand it at the corporate level as well. It's going to happen. It's a part of life, and especially if the things that we've been talking about in this series. If we do these things, if we actually do these things then we're really going to have some things to overcome. So uh, let's just think about it. I'll, just, I'll pick up a, three themes that we picked up along the way. We talked about it's always about Jesus, right? That's how we kick this thing off. Life-giving church is always about Jesus. But if we're always about Jesus, then there's going to be some resistance. We're going we're to advance the kingdom of God. We're going to take new ground if we're always about Jesus. And if we're always about Jesus and we're taking new ground then there's going to be pushback from the enemy. There's going to be resistance from the enemy. There's going to be resistance even in our own flesh sometimes. We get cranky. And we do stuff that's kind of funky. Right? Several of you guys, six, seven at least, do that. And so if we're going to be a church that's for all peoples, right? We talked about that, a life-giving church. It's a church for all peoples. Well, then that means there's going to be lots of different people with different backgrounds and different experiences all coming together. And we're going to have to 
learn how to do things a little bit different than the way that we've always done it. We're going to have to overcome pride. We're going to have to overcome prejudices and preferences and, 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 our, and our differences and learn to, to love each other and get along. We talked about community in God's image. If we're going to be a life-giving church, that means we're a community in God's image. We talked about Acts 2 and how that makes our hearts sing, right? We get excited. We read that. Our hearts sing, but we are just, oh my goodness, we are just one or two bad decisions away from hurting somebody else in the body of Christ. It's a bummer. Nobody's immune. We are all candidates for making bad decisions and hurting other people. I mean, have you ever hurt or offended someone and you didn't mean to? Yeah. Has anyone ever hurt or offended you and they didn't mean to? Isn't that a great question? I wrote it in my notes. Isn't that a I mean, has anyone hurt you and they were trying to do their best? And really not trying to hurt you, but just trying to do the best they could do. Isn't that a liberating question? Because most of the time we get sideways, we get clunky in relationships, but you know, everybody's with the best they, it's, everybody's trying to do the best they can with the stuff they've got and in the midst of all the hurt and brokenness of life and all of those things. It's just, it's a journey, man. And we, so to part of what God's calling us to do, is to be an overcoming church. An overcoming church is a church that works through those things, that deals with the resistance, the pushbacks, the obstacles, the setbacks, the, the religion that rises up against us and to press forward. If we're going to be a life-giving church, we're going to be an overcoming church. Here's the main thing. An overcoming church learns to overcome obstacles while following Jesus for the long haul. Can we just say the long haul together? The long haul. That's what we want to do. We're in this for the long haul. So let's look at this. What did it look like for them? What does it look like for us? What did it look like for them? What's it look like for us? And I just want to track this story a bit here in Acts chapters 2, 3, and 4. And just tell the story and you're going to see some resistance and some, uh, some opportunities for being an overcoming church. So here we go. In Acts chapter 2, right at the beginning of the chapter, the Holy Spirit comes. Boom, right? And right off the bat, there's resistance. People start making fun of them. Would you consider that something you needed to be, that would, you'd have to overcome if somebody was making fun of you? Right? I, I would. Nobody likes to be made fun of. You know, belittled. You know, they've had too much wine. Peter stands up, he starts preaching. Preaches an awesome sermon. No, this is right out of Joel. God's moving right now. This is promised. Prophet Joel promised this. It was going to happen. And so Jesus, and he goes on, preaches about Jesus, and he died on the cross and raised on the third day by the power of God. He's poured out his spirit that you now see and hear. This is awesome. And people are cut to the heart. What do we do now? Repent, be baptized, every one of you, for the forgiveness of your sins. 3,000 people responded on that first day. It was awesome. Then we see the fellowship of the believers coming together, breaking bread, devoted themselves, glad, sincere hearts, sense of awe. All that's happening. So then in chapter three, Peter and John, I don't know how much time's gone by, but a little bit of time's gone by because later while he's still talking, 
in the same thing, now there's 5,000 men. So I, I, that's a little bit of times past. So there's 3,000. And then in the same thing that I'm about to read, there's 5,000 men. And if half of those guys were married, and then they had some kids, you're talking about 12,000 to 20,000, depending on how many were married and how many were fruitful and multiplying. But a lot of people. Wow, that's a lot of folks, right? So they heal this guy that's been crippled from birth at the gate beautiful. Says he's begging for money and they say silver and gold. We don't have, but what we do have in the name of Jesus, get up and walk. And he starts walking and jumping and praising God. You guys have learned some children's songs along the way, I think. But that's what he's doing. And so it's an incredible scene in chapter 3. Verse 12, they come and there's, everybody's gathered around. And Peter, when he saw this, he said to them in verse 12, Men of Israel, why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at me as if by our own power, at us, by, as if by our own power or godliness, we had made this man walk? The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his servant Jesus. You handed him over to be killed, and you disowned him before Pilate, though he had decided to let him go. You disowned the holy and righteous one and asked that a murderer be released to you. You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. We are witnesses. We are witnesses of this. And by faith in the name of Jesus, the man whom you see and know was made strong. It is Jesus name and faith that comes through him that has given this complete healing to him. As you can all see. Wow. So, I mean, that's powerful. And so he goes on and he says, look, now what you need to do is turn to God. This is what God's done for you. Now, turn, get your life in line with him. Repent, because he's coming again. He's going to stay in heaven, but he's coming again and he's going to restore everything and make everything right. And so everybody's listening to them preach over to chapter four while they're preaching. While he's preaching, the priests, captain of the temple guard come up, the Sadducees come up. They do not like this. Peter and John preaching the resurrection from the dead and really at their hands, right? And so they seized them. And because the Sanhedrin couldn't meet that night, they put them in jail. Now think about all the different levels of resistance that, that are happening here. So they put them in jail. The next morning they get up and they bring them before the Sanhedrin. And in verse 7, chapter 4, by what power or name did you do this? <clears throat> verse 8, then Peter Filled with the Holy Spirit. I love that. Filled with the Holy Spirit said to them, rulers and elders of the people. If we're being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a cripple and are asked how he was healed, then know this, you and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. He is the stone you builders rejected, which has become the capstone. Salvation's found in no one else, for there's no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished. And they took note that these men had been with Jesus. So then the story goes on, and they're like, they send Peter and John out for a bit, and they say, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? They, they, they have done an outstanding miracle. Now, that's in contrast to the, you know, the more ordinary 
kinds of miracles, I guess. But it says they've done an outstanding miracle and no one can deny it. This guy was over 40 years old and he's been crippled from birth. So it's, <laughs> it's an outstanding miracle. What are we going to do? And so this is what, listen, listen again to opposition, verse 17, but to stop this thing from spreading any, among the people, we must warn these men to speak no longer to anyone in this name. Verse 18, so they called them in again and commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus, not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, judge for yourselves whether it's right in God's sight to obey you rather than God. For we cannot help speaking about what we've seen and heard. And after further threats, they let them go. They could not decide on how to punish them. They want to punish them because all the people were praising God for what had happened. For the man who was miraculously healed was over 40 years old. So, I mean, there's so many things happening there. And then they go back. They get back to the believers. They all pray. That's the big prayer meeting. We talked about this a few weeks ago. They have the big prayer meeting and they Pray, God, stretch out your hand, heal, miraculous signs and wonders. And the place was shaken. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And they go out again and speak the word of God boldly. It's amazing to me, though, that in the midst, and this is religion, in the midst of people praising God for this dramatic miracle, they are trying to figure out how to punish the disciples. They're trying to, trying to punish them because something is being pressed on, something is being... Uh, uh, attacked, or, or so they feel, in their lives. So that's in that one story, just running through Acts 2-4, to four, they're mocked, they're threatened, they're resisted, they're put in jail, they're warned, they're threatened, they're commanded, you know, all of those things. That's resistance, by the way, right? That's resistance. And so there's a, there's a couple things I really want us to catch and that is that we need to be aware when the church is advancing of resistance. You know, just for all these, I don't know, I'm looking down at Pam and Donna is here. So glad you're here today. And, uh, you know, just uh, just how many times down through the years there have been women, especially, but guys that love to pray too. But there, there's been some faithful interceding women around me and around us and around this church, man, praying us forward into the days ahead. You know, and how many times I'll say, man, I'm feeling some resistance or some warfare. And Pam's like, I've been praying. I've been praying. We got the women's group praying. We were sensing that too. It's like, I just smile, you know, because of how how often that's that's happened. There's resistance and there is, and I want to just, there's religion. You know, the overcoming church is overcoming religion. So if you want to be the life-giving church like you read about in the book of Acts, one of the things you got to work through is religion. And it's, it's out there and it gets in here to nobody's immune from this. So when I'm saying religion here, I'm, I'm talking about it not in the positive sense like, like pure religion that helps orphans and widows. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about more the, the the kind of religion that gets in the way of people getting to God. That's the kind of religion I'm talking about. Like it's religion's kind of like a big finger that's pointing to God, but instead of actually getting people there, it like gets in. <laughs> yeah, it's like God, I, 
I'm trying to do all this stuff and I can't see you because this giant fingers in my eyes. You know, it's something like that. Religion, it comes from the word religare. It's a Latin word. Re means to return and to repeat. And legare means to tie or to bind. Put those together and what do you got is return to bondage. To return to bondage. And so that's kind of a, that's a helpful definition for us. I just finished up a book by a guy named Bruxy Cavey. Y'all remember when I told the story about the lady at the end of the, end of the sermon? He preaches for this church up in Canada, Toronto, the meeting place. And uh, it, they have a Q&A time. And this woman stands up and she says, Bruxy Cavey, will you marry me? Like they were dating. But he wouldn't ask, He was kind of slow to pull the trigger. Well, we were at a conference a couple weeks ago, and we were at this bookstore thing, and I looked over, and there's Bruxy Cavey. I was like, hey, Bruxy. He's like, hey. <laughs> it's kind of awkward. I just enjoyed your book. <laughs> but this book is called Reunion, The Good News of Jesus Christ, of Jesus for, seeker, for seekers, saints, and sinners. And one of the things I like is he, he, he breaks the gospel down into one word, three words, and 30 words. Okay, so if you're going to take a stab at the gospel in one word, you guys know what to say. But, but what, what is it? Jesus. Jesus. That's right. The gospel in three words, Bruxy says, is Jesus is Lord. That's pretty good. I mean, all these things, you could probably debate them a little bit. Like Grace is a good word. So I like Jesus better. It's more kind of comprehensive. You know, three words, I don't know what other three word options, but, but Jesus is Lord is, that's pretty awesome. And then he does it in 30 words. And I wrote this down in your outlines because I want you to have this. Here we go. Jesus is God with us. Come to show us God's love, save us from sin, set up God's kingdom, and shut down religion so that we can share in God's life. That's a pretty good, that's not bad. That's really not bad. I'll say it one more time. Jesus is God with us. Come to show us God's love. Save us from sin. Set up God's kingdom. And shut down religion so that we can share in God's love. That's 30 words. It doesn't say that. So we can share in God's love. I did 31 by adding that. But it's 30 words. And some of you guys will want to count it, but it is 30 words. And the part that I like, you know, I, I think all of those pieces are great. You've got the incarnation, you've got the love of God, salvation from sin, setting up the reign of God, right? Um, but the religion piece is something that we often forget. It's, it's like we blow through that or we think that that negative piece, how does that fit into the gospel? But if you think about how much Jesus, how much time he actually spends dealing with religious people in the gospels, I mean, it's a lot. And, and he's, he's confronting this, this thing that can rise up in any of us where we, where we start latching on to the stuff that we're doing and holding on to that instead of Jesus. You know, it's Jesus plus what I do. Or Jesus plus what I do good or better than other people. And it's just a slippery ditch that we kind of fall into. And uh, that's, that's religion. You know, Jesus to the... These guys that study the Bible more than any of us, the, the Old Testament that, that is, he says, you study the Scriptures all day, but you refuse to come to me to see that what the Scriptures are really about is about me. 
It's about Jesus, you know. So religious, you know, it's, the, it's a big deal. Part of what he was doing was coming to shut down religion. He ultimately comes to replace the sacrifices. He replaces the priests. No more sacrifices. You know, the, the priests in the temple. Who's the priest now? It's all of us, right? We are the priesthood of believers is the way Peter says that. To shut down temples, these, the, the holy place says, and to say the whole earth is, is where he wants to rule and reign. Not just a place, in a particular place, but the whole earth is where he wants to reign. The rituals and the rules, he wants to replace all of that stuff with what? Relationship. Relationship, a loving relationship where he speaks and we respond and we pray and call out and he responds and there's an interactiveness between us. And that's what God made us for. That's what He's redeeming us back into. And so they overcome. The overcoming church is a picture of the disciples and the brothers and sisters overcoming because they knew Jesus. They had been with Jesus. Their eyes were on Jesus. They were proclaiming Jesus. Right? All of that's happening. They were empowered together as the community of faith together. They prayed together. And they went out and they did things in the power of God. That's the overcoming church. So that's what it looked like for them. What's it going to look like for us? Now, I think it's a lot of the same stuff, right? You know, I mean, we can do those, a lot of those same things, right? We can be with Jesus. We can spend time with Him. We can have fellowship with Him. We can have... Uh, uh, we can set our eyes on Him. We can look to Him. We can uh, walk together in community that's empowering to us where we pray and where we seek God together and press in and say, God, Lord, that's happening over there, but would You stretch out Your hand and would You fill us with Your Spirit? Would You empower us to go out and speak the Word of God boldly? So all of, that, all of those things can happen. And sometimes what it's just practically going to look like is as we're walking through Maybe some place we've walked through a hundred times before, but we see somebody that we didn't see before. That's what, that's what happened. They see this guy. He's been there for years. Jesus walked in and out of that gate, but God had an appointment for, for them with that guy. And so, you know, that's our life too. We just don't know. We're walking through life, and as we're in, if, we'll, if we'll be sensitive to the Spirit of God... It's like time opens up when we're not where we're just doing we're getting to the next thing and all of us do this. I, I do it. But when we're just we're just on autopilot, you know, ever just you ever end up in your driveway and you go, how did I get here? And that's a lot of life is like that. You know, we're just doing what we did the day before and the day before that. But in contrast to just that, God wants us to wake up and to see people around us. And we just don't know when that next divine appointment is coming. And so sometimes it'll mean seeing the person. Sometimes it'll mean taking a stand when we're confronted by somebody that's wanting to stop the life of God. And it would rarely be said like that. But it happens. You know, because it's God does stuff that's out of the box of the way we thought that it was going to be done sometimes. You know, I mean, you, you just, it, it just, it happens. This, they had been doing it one way for a long time, and then suddenly the Spirit comes, and now they're responding to what God is doing, and He's releasing His power, and it's, it's an awesome thing. So, 
sometimes it's going to mean watching out for those things rising up in us too. Where we start saying, you know, I want to go, I want it to be more about my sacrifice rather than obedience. I want to do something hard for God rather than just obey the next thing that He's saying to do. You know, I mean, that's where the, that's where life is. It's in the obedience. I mean, man, we hate that word. It's like a bad word or something. Obedience. And yet, looking to Jesus and doing the next thing He says is where the life really is. I remember just years going to bed, you know, just tucking the kids in, always follow Jesus and do what He says no matter what. That was our little mantra, always follow Jesus and do what He says no matter what. <clears throat> and, uh, and the last thing that I want to just touch on in this before we move on to some other stuff is, is uh, relationships. Remember how much of the New Testament, we've talked about this a lot, but how much of the New Testament is about relationships? And so the thing is, if we're going to be an overcoming church, we've got to learn to work through the, the challenges that come our way when things get funky in, in relationship. And, and it's, we, we've got to think the best. We've got to uh, love with God's love. There is such a tendency, I don't know about anybody else, there's such a tendency to judge ourselves based on our motives and to judge other people based on their actions. You know what I'm talking about? Just, you know, well, I, I meant to be kind and tender. I meant to be humble. You know, and they weren't kind. That was not kind. That was not tender. That was not humble. It really bugs me, you know. So that we've got to just, you know, one thing I'm seeing too right now. There's some cool stuff happening in the city. It's it's here that we've got to walk through this if we're going to be an overcoming church. But but if we're going to be an overcoming church, it's not just here. It's with the church in the city as well. I mean, it's the Lord is really doing some cool stuff with some pastors right now, and it's going to give us opportunities in the days, months, and years ahead to do things that are maybe outside of our comfort zone, maybe with people that don't think exactly the way we think about stuff. But that's okay. But that, it's, it's okay. It's all right. And we work through those things. So, you know, one of the things I was just meditating on the last couple of days, thinking about this sermon, is that we have the benefit of, you know, 2,000 years later, we get to see what all else was said, not just Acts 2-4, to four, but John. As John progressed, goes to the end of his life, he writes 1 John. Awesome letter. We're going to be studying it in the next few weeks, starting in a couple of weeks. <coughs> and, uh, but at the end of that letter, he says, this is how we overcome. We're born of God. We love like God loves, and then our faith that rises up in us is overcoming all things that come against us. It's what overcomes the world. The faith that's expressing itself in love is what overcomes the world. You know? And then later, John, he's on the island of Patmos, and he has this incredible encounter with God. It's the, the apocalypse, the, uh, the revelation. Is, is, apocalypse is the Greek word. But uh, revelation. And he sees Jesus. It's powerful. Jesus dictates seven letters to seven different churches 
Uh, and in each one of those letters, there's a theme about overcoming. Like Jesus actually wants us to be an overcoming church. It's one reason why I'm talking about this. It's not just, we don't just float through life. He actually wants us to be an overcoming church. And he promises, <coughs> he promises all kinds of stuff. The, to eat from the tree of life. Who's in on that? That's a promise. So you get a new name. I, I don't know everything about that, but I'm in. Lord, I know it's going to be good. You know, authority over nations. That's a promise to overcomers in, in Revelation 2 and 3. Uh, dressed in white. He overcomes, you're going to be dressed in white. I'm going to write your name in the book of life and it will never ever be taken out. That's a good promise. To him who overcomes, he will be a, a pillar in the temple of my God. A pillar, and I'll write the name of the new city, the new Jerusalem on him again. And this one blows me away. At the end of the church at Laodicea, to him who overcomes, I will give the right to sit with me on my throne. Wow. So huge promises. And with each one of those promises about overcoming comes an encouragement to repent, to return to the first love in our lives with Jesus, making sure Jesus is first, return to your first love, to wake up, to persevere, to not be lukewarm. All of these things are, are encouragements for us to be passionate and, uh, you know, uh, to, to engage. You know, for me, probably my favorite one of all of these is the church at Philadelphia. The church at Philadelphia, uh, Donna's brother Jim and I used to talk about this one all the time and, and felt like, you know, he would pray that over us. And I've had people give us that word that you guys are like the church at Philadelphia. And I love that. You know why? One of the reasons I love it, he says, I've got the key and I've opened the door and it's a door that's open before you and no one can shut it. See, you have you have little strength. I think that's part of the reason I like it, too. You have little strength. I mean, I can sort of do that. I like I can have a little strength, not a lot. We're not fancy. We're not, you know, capes not blowing in the wind. We're just we're just brothers and sisters. You know, with little strength, and I, brotherly love, I, with an open door in front of us. I love, I love that language. That's John, and it's overcoming language. Paul's at the end of the most awesome letter in the New Testament. What am I talking about? Ephesians. See, you guys are awesome. At the end of Ephesians, Paul says, "Our struggle is not against flesh and blood." But it's against the rulers and principalities and authorities up in the heavenly realms. And so he's, he's got this. If it's if it's human, that's not who we're struggling against. Those are just people we're supposed to love. But we are in a battle. It's a battle where we put on the shield of faith and the helmet of salvation. The, the word of God's in our hand like a sword. The belt of truth and our feet fitted with readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. We're grounded in God. And rather than like, charge, and we go running out and swinging at stuff, he says, after you've done everything, stand there. Just after you've done everything, stand. Part of the persevering, enduring, overcoming church is that we've got an open door and, and we don't quit. We stand there. 
And we, you know, there's advanced times. I don't know how God does all that. The gates of Hades can't stand against us. We advance somehow. We take new ground somehow. But, but we don't quit. We persevere. We endure. I mean, standing here at my age, you know, it, it starts to be more important. The older I get, that I'm just still standing here. I mean, there's some victory in continuing to just be in the game. Y'all encourage me about that. And I'm going to encourage you to have a vision, you know, for you young guys to be finishing the race strong. To be, get all the way to the finish line and not quit. Um, you know, and, and stuff, when we stand like this, stuff is going to happen. There's going to be stuff we have to overcome. One of my uh, heroes of the faith is uh, the Chinese guy, uh, brother. His name's Brother Yoon. Anybody ever read the the heavenly man, the heavenly man? And and I remember there was a pre version of that called Lilies Amongst Thorns. Came out in the early '90s, and I started hearing about some of the stories about this guy, and was super encouraged. I mean, crazy stuff, Book of Acts, uh, deliverances from prison. You know, he, he, uh, prison doors open. People seeing this, prison doors open. Him walking out of a maximum security prison and getting in a car and, and driving away. You know, that kind of stuff. But then when he gets out, he was in, did prison time in Burma as well, a couple of years, gets to Germany and starts telling his story. And guess who persecutes him? Wasn't unbelievers. It was, it was the church. Just different parts of the church. Because, you know, there was jealousies and some things. And, you know, there's, there's stuff for us to overcome. And there always will be. But remember the first love. Take, we need to take our little strength and see that there's an open door in front of us that no one can shut. That's what we want to do. And we want to stand our ground. We want to put on the, 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 the battle gear and, and guard against judgment and religion and that kind of stuff rising up in our lives and where we become a big finger that gets in the way. We don't want to do that. We want it to be about relationship with Jesus Christ. We want to point people to Jesus and help people get there and not be a hindrance, but be a help all along the way. That's what the overcoming church is. We stand. And that is the life-giving church that is an overcoming church. Amen? So you guys, stand up. Let's, let's respond to God on this. We're, we're finishing up this series, and I, I think this is one of the, is the worship team. Come on up. Ministry team, come on up. We got a few minutes. Let me just, uh, if you're visiting with us, we do this every Sunday. We'll take a little time to just respond uh, to God. Okay, so let's think about this. Where, where do you need to persevere? Hey, Lord, just help us. Is there, a, is there something where we're tempted to pull back or shrink back right now? Where's the enemy coming against you? Where's the struggle at in your life right now? Where is that place where you need to press just press through for relationship where you need to let go of the bondage of religion 
Where's that place where you need to stand? You know, and we all have these places, guys. And so if you know what that is and you know there's a need for breakthrough, then man, come and get prayer. It's that simple. Just if there's something where you need a breakthrough in order to persevere and to be a part of the life-giving and overcoming church, that's what we want to do today. That's what this is all about. So Father, meet us as we pray, as we seek You. And Lord, would You give us grace to be people that, that at the end of our lives we can say that it is about faith and Your love in and through us that overcomes all the challenges of the enemy and the world and the enemy's plan to, to sidetrack us. In Jesus' name, Amen. Hey guys, and if you just need prayer about anything else as well, come, get prayer. Don't leave without getting that prayer that could be a breakthrough thing for you in your life. In Jesus' name, Amen.